We're now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo. Of course, Chip Murphy is joining me today. And we start off the show with the week in review, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, This past week, games that we we did from the last podcast are the Utah Jazz. Then it was a matchup with the Toronto Raptors. And last night was the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Chip, what were your thoughts on the Knicks this past week? Yeah, I love the Jazz game because the Knicks were down 10 half-times against a really great, well-coached defense, and uh, it looked like the game was not going to end. A team that didn't have probably their best player in Rudy Gobert, which made things which made things look bad for the Knicks, especially because it was at the Garden and the Jazz were struggling. But this is a game that the Knicks were down sixty to fifty at half. This is a game that the Knicks would have folded last year and said, okay, we're going up against the Utah Jazz defense, which is smothering, and it's hard to score on them because you have to move the ball a lot. And a Carmelo Anthony-led team, uh, isolation-based, struggles against the Utah Jazz. So it was great to see them rally back and beat Utah, going about it the way they did with ball movement and by playing as a team, and quite frankly, without Chris Porzingis playing his best game, he only had 22 points in his 8 of 19 from the field. It was really Tim Hardaway Jr. that led that victory, particularly in the fourth quarter when he was amazing. He had 26 points. That was probably his best game so far. But, uh, look, the Raptors game, they went on the road to Toronto, um, the Knicks, the Knicks just aren't ready for games like that. They're not that good. Um, they're they're not they're not ready to compete with teams like the Raptors that are that are going to be in the playoffs. And uh, especially in a road uh, environment, and I don't see them. I don't. I, I know some Knicks fans see them as a playoff team. I. I think this game was more proof that the Knicks are not a playoff team. But they uh, then they went on it. They went out and blew the Clippers off the floor last night. Which uh, uh, to me, that was more about how bad the Clippers were than how good the Knicks are. Even though I do think the Knicks are a much better team than the Clippers. Clippers are just as we were talking about before the show, Matt. The Clippers are absolutely awful, mm-hmm. and they looked like. A lot of times we talk about how teams look defeated on this podcast. They looked like, and I never thought I'd say this, but the Clippers looked like, you remember how the Kings looked like when we played them and they just looked like completely defeated? Yeah. <laughs> the Clippers looked like the Kings out there. Yep. I was shocked. I mean, they're supposed to be like a top four, top five seed, 
and they're just it was like they didn't even want to be out on the court it was really like wow this we're good and we're we're good we're a good team and Porzingis is good and Hardaway's good and McDermott's really playing much better than all of you but man you guys just really don't even care about this game <laughs> yeah I, I miss the Utah game um I was at the Charlotte Hornets and Cleveland Cavalier game. So my plan was to go to that game, watching the game on my phone through the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi was absolutely terrible at the Spectrum Arena. Awful. Uh, a company that's supposed to, you know, do internet connection and all that. Not great Wi-Fi there. And I, I know, I get it. There's a lot of people there going on their phones. Tough to connect. But, I mean, you, you couldn't even load up Facebook under their Wi-Fi. So there was no way I can get to the Knicks game. So I say, okay. And, I, you know, we go to that game. We got to watch LeBron, which was cool. Played, you know, pretty strong. Get another 30-point game. Got home around midnight. Had to be up at 545 for my radio show. And I get there, and I said, you know, after the show, I am going home. I'm going to watch the Knicks game from last night. You know, I hid from the scores. Knew nothing about it, right? Um, I'm, I'm in the radio station and the, the show on before us is going through basketball scores. So I run out of the studio until, you know, I brought a mini basketball hoop, um, and I shoot out in the lobby and uh, to avoid the score. Right. So I'm like, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Every time that comes on, I'll just get up and, and go. And, um, you know, I avoided the score. So I'm like, I'm doing good. Well, the show starts that I'm on. And my, my co-host, and it goes, so the next one last night, I was like, I did not yeah. know that. Thanks. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So I'm like, gosh, I missed the game. It's killing me. So I watched like the 15-minute recap that you can do from the league pass um, to just see what went down in the game. Um, saw that it was another come-from-behind win, and I agree with you, Chip. These are the kind of games that last year they just – did not win. They couldn't win close games last year for the life of them. They just could not do it. And I think this year it's a totally different team because they don't just rely on one guy. The ball's it, the ball's moving. I, I I say to every time I watch a Nick game with somebody, I said, "Hey, did you see what that is? That's a pass. We we didn't do that the last like two or three seasons. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Um, so this is." Fun to watch them win those kind of games. Now, with Toronto, kind of like what I said last week, it seems like there's one game each week that we're talking about that just doesn't go well for the Knicks, and that was that game. They, they just looked like they weren't ready to play. It's very similar to the way that they looked when they played Boston in the third game of the season. They looked awful. And it's a little disappointing because, look, I I know the Knicks, talent-wise, are not at the same level as the Raptors. They're not even close to the same talent level of the Boston Celtics. I get it. Those games are not the ones that they're expected to win. But you still want to be competitive against them. So far in those two games, Celtics and the Raptors, the two big guns in our division, they manhandled us. That was very disappointing to see. I want to see them get competitive. I want to see if they can maybe beat 
one or two of those games out of the four games that they meet teams like the Celtics or the Raptors, see if they could split a series or perhaps just avoid being swept would be nice. Um, you know, tomorrow we have the Raptors coming to the Garden. The Knicks need to bounce back. They need to win these kind of games to really make a statement. Uh, right now they're winning games that they're supposed to, and they're winning some that are pretty maybe not as unbalanced talent-wise as like a Raptor matchup. Um, you know, teams like Utah, the Knicks have a chance to win that kind of game. Uh you know, so they're winning some of these these nice games, but I think for the Knicks, if they're going to take that next step, they're going to have to beat some of these division teams like the Raptors, the Celtics. Um, they, they already beat the Hornets. That's a team that's going to be right there. Those are important games to win. So very disappointed in the way they looked against the, the Raptors. They looked awful. It was just not a very inspiring effort by them to their credit. They came right back out against the Clippers. Played a great basketball game. It did get a little nerve-wracking for me. Um, I tweeted out on the um, next State of Mind Twitter page that, oh gosh, this is looking like the Cleveland game all over again when it was the third quarter. We're up 16, and next thing you know, the Clippers went on a 15-0 run. Um, and then, you know, guys like Doug McDermott, who we're actually going to talk about later on in the show, kind of stepped up, hit a few big three-pointers, helped cushion the lead and the Knicks were able to hang on. That is the one thing I could say I really love about this team this year is that they have shown mental toughness. When they have a bad game, because look, bad games are going to happen. They're going to have plenty of clunkers this year. That's just the way it is. They're going to have off nights. The best teams are able to not allow that to spiral. Come out, have that bad game, move on from it the next night, and take care of business. So far, that's what they're able to do. Not like the Clippers, who are on a nine-game winning stri- or losing streak that look awful. I'm just saying, Blake Griffin's probably rethinking, maybe I should have took a little less money to go somewhere else. I think he might be regretting that right now. I know it's a lot of money, and you know what? If they're losing all those games, he's still getting paid a lot of money. But if he wanted to win this Clippers team, uh, yeah, I-, I think they'll be okay. But nine in a row is pretty bad. That's what many probably thought the Knicks would be doing, losing nine straight games. Um, So to beat the Clippers the way that we did, that's the first time we beat the Clippers in ten games. We we haven't beat them since I think the final game of the 2012 season, 2013 season, the lockout year, whenever that was. I think that was the yeah, final I game. I did have been that long. I, think, I didn't realize they'd been whooping us so oh, bad yeah. for so it's long. It's been 10 straight. Now, we played them last year. Obviously, we played twice. Uh, one of those games, the Knicks had plenty of offense. No shock here. Couldn't play defense and just lost a shootout against them. So they've been close. This was a game that they dominated on both sides of the ball. They looked very well. Again, Przingis wasn't outstanding with his shooting. He was 7-20. But again, 9-for-9 nine nine from the free throw line. Getting to the line and making them count. That's all you can ask for. Um, Enos Cantor, I love the guy. Like I said last week, the more and more I watch him, the more and more I love him. Because he's all about hustle, doesn't back down, tremendous footwork. We'll work on the defense. Hopefully becomes a little bit better there. Because the defense is still bad. 
It's so bad. But I can live with it if he's going to go out and perform like this uh, night in and night out. And, you know, like I, I think the combination of Brzingis and Cantha, they just blend so nicely together. Um, it's working. I mean, I think the Knicks got to keep Cantor. I think they absolutely have to find a way to keep Cantor. Hopefully he stays in his option um, because I want Cantor in a Nick uniform for years to come. But with that being said, that is the weekend review for the Knicks. Um, they Again, they play Toronto tomorrow night, so hopefully they can get a bounce back. But in the three games, two and one. Um, so you can't complain about that. Nine and seven. I believe they're six in the Eastern Conference standings. It's too early right now to be even thinking about playoffs. But if those playoffs did start tomorrow, or today even, the Knicks would be in playing Detroit. So... Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about things right now, but again, very early. So we will wrap up this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about Coach Jeff Hornacek and the job that he has done so far in this season. So we'll be back right after the break. Hi, everybody. Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Next State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Knicks State of Mind Podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind Podcast. Uh, Jeff Hornacek, in my opinion, has done a, a pretty exceptional job so far this season, as I mentioned at the end of the last segment, they're nine and seven. Um, we, we've talked about Jeff Hornacek. I would say right before the season started, he was one of our key focuses on one of the segments, um, talking about expectations from this season from him. Could this be his job on the line? You know, him being on the hot seat. Does he deserve to be on the hot seat? All that stuff. So now, and we'll talk about Hornacek's coaching throughout the season, but up to this point of the season, Chip, how do you feel Jeff Hornacek has done? He's done a great job. I mean, and I was as skeptical as anyone about whether or not he could do the job because, like I said before the season started on this show, I don't think we know anything about Jeff Hornacek because he wasn't the real coach of the team last year. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't running his offense. He wasn't in charge. So we can't really judge him until we see his team. And this is his team, and they look good. You know, they're they're basically a top-10 offense right now. They're 11th in offensive rating. Um, they're just outside of the top-10 in effective field goal percentage. They look really good. I mean... Uh, there's a lot to like about the team. Uh, you know, you wish the uh, you wish the uh, the three point numbers were better in today's day and age. You know, they're 27th and 27th in the league in three point makes per game. But uh, what happens when you don't have a lot of guys who can make threes? I mean, outside of uh, Tim Hardaway and KP and McDermott, and then uh, Courtney Lee, they don't have a lot of reliable three-point shooters. So um, you wish that they could, they were making more threes, but 
that's about the only thing he has to complain about the offense. And mm-hmm. one thing I've been really impressed by with Hornacek is that he's been able to have this much success without a two-point guard uh, lineup because he was he had all of his success in Phoenix when he had uh, Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe. And that's when that's the year he won the forty eight games, and they played really fast, and they scored a lot of points, and they basically had Eric Bledsoe uh, playing and uh, Goran Dragic alternating playing off the ball and not playing off the ball. I guess Dragic was playing more off the ball. <laughs> that's why he wanted to out to get out of Phoenix because he didn't want to play off the ball anymore, mm-hmm. but. I'm I'm very impressed. It shows how skilled a coach he is that he's been able to get. He's been able to till uh, tweak his offense to the point where he can work it. That he doesn't need this star point guard to get the job done. Now it does help that he has one of the best players in the NBA, Kristaps Porzingis. Yep. But uh, so he doesn't need to run as much as he used to because. You know, he can't. He doesn't have that uh, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic point guard. He has a slow veteran point guard. Yep. And, but again, it shows he is willing to adjust, and the guy who was in charge before him was not. So I've been very, very impressed by Jeff Hornacek. And look, the Knicks have been trying to figure out their defense for since Jeff Van Gundy left. So, yeah. But right now they're ninth, they're tied for 18th in defensive rating with the Pacers, uh, and I'm surprised they're that high. To be honest, yeah. So uh, thank you, thank you to the Clippers for that. <laughs> thank you to the Clippers for sucking. Yeah, because they moved this, they moved this out of like the 23rd <laughs> spot or whatever they were in. So yeah, the, the Knicks, they're, they're not going to be a top. They're not going to be in the top 15 in defensive rating this year. They're not a top 15 defensive team. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're moving in the right direction on that side of the ball. And, yeah, I, I don't have any qualms about the offense, that's for sure. How do you think he's handling the rotation? Do you like, do you like the way he, he operates getting the guys in and out? Do you think his rotation's too big? Uh, you know, what do you, what what would you think about his coaching decisions? I don't think his rotation is too big at all. I I like the way he's handling things. I think that the days of I was never somebody who complained about Billy Hernan Gomez not playing. But yeah. I think anybody who is still complaining about Billy Hernan Gomez not playing uh, should just shut up. Exactly. But I mean, I've always been a huge Kylo Quinn supporter. But so I'm a little biased, but I think he's he's really Kyle. Uh, every team needs a Kyle Quinn, so uh, I'm glad the Knicks have him. And right now, the Knicks are nine and seven with Kyle Quinn in the rotation and Billy Hernan Gomez out of it. So I don't take Kyle Quinn out of the rotation. Exactly. And I like uh, as far as the rotations. I like that he's willing to say. Uh, I'm gonna take a guy who was first team all rookie mm-hmm. and not put him in there and put this Kylo Quinn guy yep. 
who, as we've talked about on the podcast before, had one Division One college basketball scholarship coming out of high school. <laughs> yep. You know, he, he's a he's not a guy who came into the league with any acclaim at all. He, uh, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure he went undrafted, right? I don't think he was even a second-round pick. He might have been a second-round pick. Hmm. I could be wrong. I but, think, I oh, think he, he was a second-round Late, really late yeah. second-round pick. Um, but, yeah. He's and he's almost twenty eight. He's twenty seven years old. Turns twenty eight in March. Billy's young. Kylo Quinn's contract is ending. It makes sense for like a tanking, rebuilding job thing to start her name to not start, but put her name Gomez in the rotation. And Hornacek just gave the middle finger to all of that and said, "No, I like Kylo Quinn better. I'm going to play it." And I loved that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was great. I really did. And I'm somebody who has supported Hornacek. I, I don't think last year, like you mentioned, Chip, he wasn't the one running the show. He was being told what to do by the puppet master, Phil Jackson. Yep. So for me this year would be when, when Phil Jackson was let go or departed, whatever it was you want to say – it's the first time that we would see Jeff Hornacek get to do what he wants to do, which is why I felt like this year should still not even be a full indication of what Hornacek's future with the team is. I've said I think you have to at least give him a season or two before you can decide how they do. I love Jeff Hornacek. I absolutely love him. I think he's doing an exceptional job. Um, you know, look, I, I see when we lose a game, everybody wants to blame him and, uh, you know, blame that he's not playing this guy. He's not playing that guy. He's playing this guy too long. I, I think he's doing a great job with a team that was not expected to do much. And yes, it's early. Yes, there is plenty of time for the Knicks to drop off. It could happen. Um, but you can see that from the, after the first three games, you can see an offense that's clicking a little bit more. Guys trust each other out there. It is, it's team basketball. And I think that speaks volume from what he has been able to do. This is a tight group. You can see that the way they, they rallied behind Neil Aquina. And I think that with guys like Phil Jackson out of the picture, even the big-headed superstar like Carmelo Anthony, he can mold this team – the way that he wants. And I, I really, really love the job that Hornacek is doing. As you talked about, Chip, he's not afraid to take somebody out and put somebody in if that other person is giving us the best chance to win. And that's the way that it should be. Uh, you know, the, the win against the Clippers last night, uh, Mike Breen and, and Walkleid Frazier even talked about it. Neil Aquina struggled in the first half. He was awful. He was terrible. He dribbled the ball off of one of his own player's foot and bumped into him and fell down and lost the ball, and it led to a dunk on the other end. And, uh, yeah, that, he was sick. It was horrible. They said he was He was sick? Yeah, they said he was sick. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to spin something, but he went with Sessions, which was the smart move. Yeah, and that's that's what they were saying. They said, you know, even if he was sick, whatever the situation is with him, um, point is he just didn't have it. Looked awful. Uh, I mean, that that play that I just mentioned looked like it should be on Shacking a fool. Um, yeah, just led to just an easy 
two points for the Clippers. And Hornacek said, okay, I'm not getting anything out of him. I'll go a little bit deeper into my bench and give Sessions minutes. That's an outstanding job. Look, I'm not going to just play him to play him. I'm not going to just play this guy to get in minutes. I'm trying to win the basketball game. I think that's what Jeff Hornacek is all about. He's trying to win games. He's not about this tanking stuff. You know, I know myself and you, Chip, have talked about it, that it's probably better off that we do lose so we can get draft picks. Um, but at the I same time, the what happened? I don't want the eighth seed. Uh, yeah, the eighth seed is, it, look, if hey, if we can stay in the sixth seed, I'll take it. It's a better chance. It's a better chance than being the eighth seed. In the eighth seed, we might as well just, that would be the worst thing. I'm just going to. We, it's a death sentence. Yeah, we're still yeah. on the same page yeah. of that. That it's not. It's not worth it. It's not. But if we nope. can continue to stay where we're at, then I think it is. And I hope that we do. Listen, me and Chip are not just saying this because we want the Knicks to lose. Of course not. We want the Knicks to win, and we're enjoying mm-hmm. the fact that they're playing this well. And they surprise both of us because you guys listen. We've talked about this team being awful. They are not as bad as me and Chip thought. You know, we, we talked about some of these players that if they could do this and that, they would be a little bit better than what they are. And that, those players are actually doing that right now. Um, yeah. and, and I think Jeff Hornacek deserves a lot of credit to this this start. I think he pushes the right buttons. Um, I think he I think he deserves to get people to just ease off his back. Okay, is he going to bring us a championship this year? No. Obviously not. I think patience sometimes has to be there. I think the Knicks have gone through so many coaches like they're changing their underwear and it just never works. It never works. Sometimes i got to think you got to look at the players as well. It's not always just the coaching. So I would like Jeff Hornacek to get a fair chance to show what he can do. And look, even if the Knicks fall out of the playoffs and they still are in the lottery, but they're entertaining, they're playing hard, they're in games, they just don't have the talent right now. I think that's all you can ask from Jeff Hornacek. And I think that's that's an exceptional job with this team and the expectations that they've had. So, so far, I'd say Hornacek has done a great job. We lose a game, let's stop blaming him. We lose two, three in a row. Because I'm sure a losing streak is going to come at some point and then everybody's going to be calling for his head again. Look at the direction the team is going. They're going in the right direction. Why mix that up with bringing in some other coach to kind of start the whole process? I don't get it unless, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think. There's there's names that I would like. You know, I like Mark Jackson and all that. But I think Hornacek deserves to stay, and I think he's showing that. I think he's coaching for his job, and he's trying to win ball games like with the moves of – I'm going to put in uh, Sessions here instead of Neil Aquina. Uh, I'm going to put in Kyle Quinn because he's giving us the better chance to win over uh, Billy Hearn Gomez. That's the right way to do things. So Coach Hornacek has done a nice job. In my opinion, Chip, you like what he's doing. So, again, this is an opportunity for you fans to tell us what you think. Uh, If you don't like what he's doing, tell us why. We can discuss it. Again, you can reach out to us at our Twitter page at NYKSOM Podcast or on Facebook where you can type in the same thing or the Nick State of Mind Podcast and 
message us there. Uh, we would love to hear from you. But that's all the time we have from this segment. When we come back, we are going to dig deep into Doug McDermott and what he has been able to bring to the team. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast as we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, taking a look at Doug McDermott, who I think is off to a great start with you know his time with the New York Knicks, um, being a part of that Carmelo Anthony trade, and has fit in nicely. It looks like he perhaps found a home here with the Knicks. But, Chip, I'm interested in getting your take. Um, how do you think McDermott has looked? But, I mean, he's been even more than that. You now he's his defense has been more, I, I don't want to say good, because I don't want to <laughs> give him too much credit. I mean, he can be better, and it feels like he should be better. But, you know, he's also he's also uh, made 59% of his shots in the restricted area. He's, you know, that's below league average, but it's more than I thought we'd see from him. He attacks the basket a lot more than I thought. You know, he's 32, uh, 17 of 32 on layouffs, 53%, you know. A lot more a lot more attacking the basket than I thought we'd see from him. I like McDermott's game a lot. He moves without the ball a lot. I hate to say it because it's a classic uh, white guy comparison, but you see a lot of J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver there always moving mm-hmm. without the ball because they're not the most athletic guys. Uh, and they know they need to get open, running off screens, whatever it takes. And, you know, he's their, he's their leading scorer off the bench. 8.4 points a game. Uh, he's behind Porzingis, Hardaway, Chanter, and Lee. Um, he's uh, he's been very good for them. I mean, I like his game a lot. He's 13.6 for 36 minutes, 7.3 rebounds for 36 minutes. Yeah. Look, his defense is never going to be otherworldly, but... Uh, I think it's better than advertised because they tried to sell him to us like he was Mendaugas Kuzminskis, and he's just not that bad. Yeah. Now, and as Cantor, that's a bad defensive player. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad defensive player. Doug McDermott is perfect. Can be perfectly advertised. Tim Hardaway. Yeah. He, I think he can be a better defender than Tim Hardaway. Yeah, Doug McDermott. The efforts there, you now, can see it. He some puts in the effort. I'm crazy for that. I think no. I, I do think he can be. I agree with you. I think the efforts there defensively, he just lacks foot speed. You know, he's not the yeah. fastest guy out there. But I mean, he competes. So yeah. much of defense is effort, and I love Tim Hardaway, but he exerts so much of it on offense yeah. that sometimes he doesn't have it on defense. Yeah, he's not. He's by any means not elite defender himself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about this trade when it happened. And one thing I know I said was that I think McDermott could possibly be kind of like an X-factor in this trade. If he pans out, the trade looks a whole lot better. 
as of right now, I think he's fitting the Knicks nicely. He he does a lot of things well. As you mentioned, he moves without the ball. Um, he talked about it himself. You, you talked about him not just being a catch-and-shoot shooter. You know, he tries to attack the rim. He talked about how important that is. He, he kind of got labeled as a guy that just sits there and shoots. And he says, I want to be known as more than that. And I'm working on that part. And you can see it. He moves so well without the basketball. We've seen several backdoor cuts uh, where he has an easy dunk or a lay-in. He's just a smart player. And we wanted to talk about him, pick him out. Because, you know, one, he had a big game against the Clippers. Just uh, as we mentioned earlier that you know, the Clippers were making that run against us. It was McDermott who hit a couple big threes to kind of push them back. And he, to me, is a, a good rotation piece. Um, we, we mentioned last week about the bench struggles. And w- look, we thought it was going to be Beasley to be the guy coming off the bench, as we mentioned last week. Beasley's been very disappointing once again. You know, just never lives up to any expectations for himself or, or what others have for him. McDermott could be that guy that steps up for the, the next bench, becomes the lead bench scorer. He has the ability to. I'll tell you what, somebody else who I think is going to get more minutes down the road is Damian Dotson. I think he's going to be a big threat for the Knicks off the bench. But right now, McDermott gives us something really solid. Um, obviously, the three ball, which is very important now in the, in this day and age, but he's also just a guy that competes. He's a true basketball player, and I, I think he's been really solid for us. And Chip, would you would you say as of right now he's a he was a steal in that trade? More so than Cantor. Well, Cantor I think was a, a big a big piece. We knew we were going to get offense from him. I'll tell you what, Chip, you were right about his rebounding. I didn't know he was that good of a rebounder, but. My goodness, that guy just is a beast on the boards. So I'm not as shocked from Cantor's production as I am with McDermott's. So that's why, do you think it's a a steal, or do you think Cantor was more of the steal? I think we can call both of them. I I think I'd call Cantor more of a steal. Okay. Because Cantor, you can make an argument that Cantor has been our second most valuable player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because of his dynamic with KP and how well they've meshed. Absolutely. He's meshed uh, more with K- uh, better with KP than any player on the team has in his three years in New York. Yes. So, uh, and like, like you said, I knew he'd be good. Cantor has always been a good player, but he is awesome. Yes. I mean, he's Dude, he's made 64% of his shots. He's averaging 14 and 11. I mean, look, he's a crap defender. He's averaging 0.4 blocks. So yeah. That just tells you, at six foot ten, you're averaging 0.4 blocks. You're not a good defensive player, <laughs> you know? But, look, he, we knew he wasn't a good defender when we got him. You take the good with the bad. With exactly, him. yeah. When you in 25.8 minutes of action, he gets you 11 rebounds a game. Dude, four offense. He's averaging four offensive rebounds a night. He is 
he is the perfect match yeah. next to KP. Uh, yeah, I think Cantor will, and he's only put the the only downside is his defense is sometimes so bad that, like we talked about when we got him, his defense is so bad that sometimes he can't stay on the court. Hornacek needs to take him off yeah. the court because he's a yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah, so. I agree with but, that. But I, I would say, I would say the Carmelo Anthony trade so far has, worked has out. been yep. a win for the Knicks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, I said when that trade happened, I wasn't thrilled about it because we didn't get a first round pick and we got guys that suck defensively when we're already a terrible defensive team. We knew the offense could be there from Cantor. We knew that McDermott was still kind of trying to find his place. If he panned out, he would be great for the Knicks. And that I talked about it. he will have an opportunity with the Knicks. And he's making the most of that opportunity. Both of those guys have been better than advertised. And it, it, like you said, the trade is looking pretty good for us. Another smart move by the Knicks. Usually the Knicks don't make smart moves. Right now it's looking like that was a smart move. And the best thing, once again, was to move on for Camelo Anthony. But with that being said, that will be the show today. It's all the time we have. So we'll be back next week for another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Just a reminder, the Knicks play the Raptors tomorrow. So hopefully, hopefully the Knicks can redeem themselves from that awful performance against them the other day. Chip, do you think that they can they can knock off Toronto tomorrow at the Garden? I, look, they're one of the best home teams in the league right now. If they can beat Toronto, it's at the Garden. And, yeah, yeah I think they definitely have a shot. KP's going to break out of a slump eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it would be a great time for him to do that against Toronto. Just saying. You know, if you want to go on a 40, 45-point shooting night, I'm cool with it. Sure, all the Nick fans yeah. would agree. Uh, so, with Got that being said, we will be back <laughs> next week. <laughs>